You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. How many of you are busy right now? How many of you are a little bit stressed about work? How many of you, I saw Bethany just raised her hand. Diana raised her hand, made a face while she raised her hand. Yep, Stephanie's just smiling. She's just all good. She's just, it's all fine. We're not stressed out about stuff. Well, we did an episode back, uh, it was a while ago, right? It was like one of our early episodes. And it is one of the most popular episodes that we have done ever. And so we said, let's go back and revisit this because it's a hot topic right now. It was hot during the pan- after coming out of the pandemic and in the pandemic of this idea of how do we maintain this work-life balance? How do we drive boundaries at work? How do we make sure that we understand like when are we on all the time? Are we on some of the time? Like how do we manage all of that stuff? How do we manage our own mental health? Uh, that kind of space. So we thought maybe this would be a good topic to come back to because during the pandemic, there was a lot of like stuff that was becoming very cliche of like, well, you got to recharge, you got to take time and you got to, you know, those kinds of, I don't know what they all were, but there was a lot of, a lot of common things that were said during the pandemic, but now we're sort of returned to a real life, maybe a new type of real life. And so today we're going to talk about how do we create good boundaries at work? And we've got our whole team with us today. We're about ready to hit the road and head out to a client. But before we did that, we thought we would sneak in a podcast episode. So that's very exciting. So I know we've got we've got Diana. Diana, you said you were stressed out at work. Is there something we need to talk about before we, we jump on here and get started? You want to share with the rest of us? Are you okay? Honestly, guys, have you ever seen me not stressed out about work? Like I just, there's just like my MO. Diana is stressed out about work. I don't, that's just like life. I don't know. It's just her face. Just her face, Don. Oh, she just, she just looks like she's stressed out about work. That's just what it is. I don't know. Maybe we really do need to talk about boundaries at work. Okay. All right. Maybe we do. Maybe that's a thing, you know, also, is this because I, I, we were talking about feet the other day. Is that one of the boundaries at work? We were talking about not seeing each other's feet. That is absolutely a boundary. Yeah. Yeah. Our very close team needs to not be so close. Okay. So we don't need to see each other's feet at work is what we're saying. Please. Stephanie, yeah, no Stephanie you're on the you're on the no feet. I am I am staunchly on the no feet. <laughs> okay. Okay. We have feet. You just can't see the feet. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that you have them, and that's as, that's all I need to know. Yeah. Okay. So that's an interesting thing. I can I'm I can notice just watching Bethany's face that Bethany was not in that part of that conversation yesterday. I think it was before you came back no. to the office, Bethany. I was not. I was not in that conversation. Oh. So in general, having not heard the conversation is one of the boundaries at work that we should not be able to see each other's feet. Is that okay? How do you feel? I mean, I'm not against sandals, but like, let's not just like show our feet just to show our feet to each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's kind of what I was saying. um, And then my boundary didn't feel like it was being respected, but you know. 
<laughs> so I'm sure all the listeners are like, what happened? I, I listen. This is usually a really helpful podcast and we jump in and I get really good takeaways from the work. And I came in today and they're telling me not to show each other's feet. Are you guys running low on material? What's happening here? Uh, no, but it's what kind of boundaries do we have? You know, we are close to each other as a team. I think we do. We travel quite a bit together. We know a lot about each other's lives. But where do we turn it on or turn it off? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be led by Matt Griswold, who has no boundaries whatsoever. Matt is an open book. So Matt, you ready to lead us through this? Yeah, I, I, I am. It's funny you said open book, because sometimes we marry our opposites. My wife is definitely a closed book. And I was like, man, you're like a, you're, you're not even a closed book. You're like the diary with the lock on it that you can't find the key for. Like, that's you. And she's, she, you know, she's becoming more witty, you know, the longer we're married. And she's picking up on the sarcasm game. And she said, well, you're like an open book with that's, that's loosely bound in like a field with wind and the pages are just going all over the place like that. That was a real conversation with my, with my wife and I. I feel this so deeply. (laughs) I feel this so deeply. Like, I just want to go hug your wife right now and tell her I'm sorry and I get it. I want to hug everybody. Group hug right now. Pull it it in here, team. All right. I also think, Matt, that you're really good at that was a compliment for your wife, but somehow it was also a compliment for you. I always like how you're good at doing that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you coffee all right let's get started that might have been maybe diana you'll have to check the tape that might have been the most awkward introduction we've had for a podcast yet so if you're just joining us for the first time welcome to the party right let's talk about boundaries and and you know i whenever diana mentioned this and she said that it was our top top whatever highly list most highly listened to podcast but it was a while let's revisit it i was i, I immediately thought okay yeah that's a good one and not just because that I think you all want to hear it, but maybe because we also need to talk about it as a team. We're going to have very different opinions. I think I think there's very differing opinions of what boundaries even look like. I see two people's heads nodding, which I'm uh, looking forward to hearing from you. I'm already I'm anxious, <laughs> anxious for this. But and and by the way, this is another plug. You can watch us on YouTube. So if you're listening to us, going, how does he? You know, how are we supposed to see the people's heads nodding? Find us on YouTube. Uh, find us on YouTube, and you can watch along as we go as well. So the boundaries conversation, and it's it's big, right? It's almost one of the buzzwords of communic. We need help with communication. Uh, you could say the same thing, like we we need help with boundaries. What does that? even mean and I, I'd like to cover maybe some ground that talks about what it, let's define maybe what some appropriate boundaries might be or some some lanes that we might think uh, we should have conversations with and when I say we I mean all of us different organizations listening what are those lanes that you need to have, maybe I'll have that com- the boundaries conversation and you know the the differing opinions it's not necessarily a generational thing but Diana why don't you tell us the generational aspect of it there too of you know and i don't want to pigeonhole anybody or blanket statement because you might be in one of the generations and you're going whoa that's not me but but maybe talk about that where this came from and why you wanted to revisit it again yeah so i think we've been hearing a lot about boundaries lately from a lot of our clients and just some of my friends who've been talking about it so it's just sort of top of mind but i also read a couple of articles that were saying that gen z who was kind of like raised with the internet at their fingertips and kind of had smartphones from birth and that kind of thing, they are much better at saying, I'm turning this off and putting it away. I don't need this thing. I'm disconnecting. Whereas the millennials who kind of started the workforce when the internet was out there, but not widely used as much 
my first job, like I didn't have a smartphone for sure. Didn't have a smartphone. So then when we adopted this technology, we started using it really heavily and integrated it into our worlds and kind of don't have the same ability to just turn it off as the Gen Zers understand and do. So they're a little bit more healthy in that aspect of just turning it off and saying, no, thank you. Um, and so the millennials and the Gen Xers have been struggling a little bit harder with this concept of boundaries, whereas the new workforce has a little bit stricter rules around it. And so it's causing a lot of conflict. It's causing people to say, why are you doing that when I didn't do that? Or I don't do that. Why are you doing that? And so I think it's an interesting, an interesting dichotomy there. You know, I, it's funny because I do have a Gen Z that happened to peel himself out of bed today and make his way to his senior year of high school this morning. And and it's funny that you say they have the smartphone and they know when to shut it off and on. I can promise you that would be the most detrimental thing uh, to take away from him would be his smartphone, right? So it is all, it, it's funny how they know how to turn it on and off. They do not turn that off. It does not shut off. It is always, it is always on, but they do turn off and on the things that they want to turn off and on. But that thing, I promise, is not one of those. Yeah. So as we're looking at, we're hearing different feedback too. And let's just go around. Maybe you want to say what generation we're representing here. Not that you co-sign all the things of the generation there, but, you know, let's just see where we are. Uh, Diana, you're a geriatric millennial. Isn't that right? Okay. I, never call me a geriatric anything ever. Isn't again. That a, that's an actual Grand quarter. millennial. Grand. Wow. That's wow. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> But yes, I technically am yeah. an older millennial. Thank yes. you very much. Yeah, that's don't that's love that. But yes, I was born in the very end of '83, so I am an older millennial. Don, how about you? Let's hear from Don. You were excluding yourself. Don, see, Don was shutting off the screen. He was removing himself from the situation. Boundaries, right? Don, where do you where do you land on this topic? I was running away out of sheer fear of Diana's response to that answer to that question. The foolish question that you asked. Yeah, I'm a Gen X and I think I fall smack in the middle of that. And I totally identify with Gen X. Like I can understand what that generation feels. And also want to point out that there's a lot of discussion about baby boomers and millennials and Gen Zs and Gen Xs is probably the least discussed generation because we're just running things. We're just making decisions, doing stuff. So I'm just going to throw that out there. I weirdly identify with a lot of things that are gen x and i also identify with a lot of things that are millennial so i feel like i am split so you're kind of hanging outside the club is what you're saying i am yeah yeah, yeah that's cool yeah it's okay i get it yeah. I, I i i am comfortably in the gen x realm there as well stephanie bethany we are mid-millennials. We are a year oh, apart. I'd like to speak on behalf of Bethany and myself. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I just saw Bethany's face when you asked that, and I thought, I'll bail us out. This is weird. Um, maybe this is a boundary. So, like, should you ask people at work how old they are and make them say it on a podcast? But here exactly. we are. Technically, should not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here we are. We've talked about feet. Everyone knows everyone's ages. Wow, boundaries. Yeah. I don't know cool exactly, right? but they so Bethany Stephanie fall into that millennial category. They're technically on the older side of millennial category, but more closely aligned, she says, with at least thoughts of of uh, Gen X for Diana. Bethany, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I just did you say that we're on the older side of the millennial? 
No, no, no. I was that was framing that for Diana. There, I jumped. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to not make it about you for just a second. I'm, so Bethany is on the millennial side there with Stephanie. We and are. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the older millennial <laughs> slash Gen X side with Diana, and then Don and I in the in the gym. So I think it kind of plays into some of uh, of the conversation here too. So let's talk about boundaries and. Um, you know, can I just ask a question though? Because I think I'm on the other side of this. How long has this been a thing, right? Because I, I, it seems like I come from an older generation where I don't know. And it's funny that the facial expressions of people, but I know there's people listening right now that are maybe a little bit, maybe in the older generation of, of I don't remember being able to go to work and create my own. This is my space. This is my time. This is my boundary. This is the thing. You will not come in. You will not approach me, blah, blah, blah. And I can just, it's almost like I can hear them audibly laughing behind the scenes going, what is, what, what? I don't know. Can we provide more context on when this became kind of a thing? I don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, sorry, Don. Um, I was going to say, I I think there's probably a couple like significant points in the work timeline of when things changed. But I think from my seat, it's like when we got the like handheld technologies and all of a sudden I am accessible from anywhere. And then like, I think the added layer for my generation was, okay, it's not just a phone or texts. Now I can get emails on my phone and I have social media notifications and it's like this era of being hyper, hyper accessible changed things. So I think where a lot of people started feeling like I need to define work and when work happens and how I want to work, because really now with the technology we have, you could be on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, like Matt Griswold. And, (laughs) and some of us uh, don't feel like we want to be that accessible. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. I think that what's interesting and kind of unique about like for millennials is that we, so we're a generation that like, we remember a time where we didn't have cell phones like readily available and we didn't have the internet in our back pocket all the time. So we know what that was like as, you know, as kids, but as, but we've never known what that's like in the workforce. So we've always been in the workforce with that high accessibility. And so we've, we've known, like, I think that we've just already known we have to set boundaries around it because nobody else will. And so I think that is, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think it also shifted within the last, I don't know, like five years, even more because of, well, maybe the, maybe the pandemic, but I think things like teams and zoom. So now it's like, well, not only can you text me, email me, Facebook, me, all these social platforms, you also can freaking video call me at any time. And I can answer it. And also you can send a message about any subject at work within a channel and I will get a notification about that thing. Like it just was sort of, it sort of shifted into this like very constant, there is no way out thing. I like, I like how you're framing that. I'm sorry. I was just, uh, I just sent a calendar invite for another meeting on Thursday while you guys were having that conversation. Anyway, I'm back with you. I'm back. I'm back with you right now. I like the technology uh, point. Bethany, I think you make a good point. Like we do recall a time where that wasn't a thing. And Stephanie, you, you added that same point. This there, it wasn't a thing. And then it was a thing. And then it became just kind of 
overwhelming. I had to manage the thing. And I like how you said social media because we literally have our work apps on there too. Like we're heavy into teams, teams. I get notifications on teams more than I get notifications on, on Facebook or whatever. I mean, it seems like, um, it seems like, so how much of this is like a personal thing, a personal level, because again, just generally, generationally speaking, whenever I was asking the question of like, when did this become a thing? I, I, I think, and Don, maybe you're more apt to be able to answer this. Like it wasn't, necessarily up to us because because workforce had to change a little bit too over time not just the employees like but the but the organizations had to change because can you imagine a time walking into your boss's office growing up and going whoa we need to set some of these boundaries and the boss is probably not going to go okay let's chat let's chat about that and then see what kind of boundaries you would like to be comfortable here at this place that's probably not how that conversation would have gone so organizations had to kind of change too right just to, just to put that into context, in my first job, my first boss went to dinner on a Saturday night with his wife. And in mid-dinner, something happened at the plant that they they got a hold of him. I don't know how they got a hold of him. I'm not sure. That would have been that was before cell phone days. So they had to page him or call him at the restaurant or whatever. But he just or maybe he just knew that something was happening anyway after they ate. He took he and his wife went back to the plant. He left his wife in the car and walked into the plant and was in the plant for like three and a half hours with his wife sitting in the car again before the age of smartphones or anything like that. So she's just sitting in the car. And what was interesting is what I can remember about that story was how he was complimenting his wife for not knowing that she had the boundary of not coming into the work to say, what's going on? Where are you? What's going that she didn't even question that. So yes, there has been some generational shifts hard in this area that has that, but it's occurred over a long period of time. Cause that that's almost, I mean, that story is probably 25, 30 years old now. So yeah. That, so there's some people, if you're in the older part of the generation that we talked about, it's probably looking like, I don't even understand what you're talking about right now. <laughs> Yeah. And I guess kudos to his wife. She seems very patient, but also like, did their marriage survive? Are they doing okay? Like where are they at today? I also those I Stephanie is worried for them. Like this was not healthy and now I'm worried. <laughs> yes. I think, I, I think she, I mean, at that time, that was just what happened. Like you just knew that that was part of it. So it wasn't un. It wasn't uncommon, like I'd be at work. Now, I was a production manufacturing environment where you kind of got to do what you got to do, like in a lot of space. So that's still true in a lot of manufacturing. So that's not just a generational thing. But there were times where my boss would come to me, you know, half an hour before I was getting ready to leave and like, oh, you're staying over. I need you to stay over for about four hours today after work. It's like, that's not that big a deal or call on the weekend, or I would get calls in the middle of the night or stuff for, for things. And yeah, it was that hard to establish work boundaries from that standpoint. Did I like getting called and woke up in the middle of the night to try to troubleshoot a piece of equipment or something? No, but it was also some of the nature of the job. So there's a little bit, I think what I'm trying to suggest here is that not only are there generational things, but there's also the job dependent issues that may come up. If it's a manufacturing environment and they can't make something and it's down or it's dangerous or something like that, yeah, some people get called and you're going to get called at home and you might be on call 24-7. We work with police officers. We work with fire departments. It's not like they can set those little boundaries of saying, I'm sorry, I'm offline. I'm taking, I, I'm not going to work today. They have to be on call sometimes. I was going to say it's the same with healthcare. My husband works at a big hospital and like, yeah, he gets calls in the middle of the night sometimes because there's, that's just, People get sick all hours of the day. And I was going to say my first job, it was not abnormal for us to like 
come in at like 5 a.m. because we were so just behind and needed to catch up on work. And there were, if I showed up at 5 a.m., it was not uncommon to have a few other people in the office then and not leave until seven or eight at night. Um, And we were not in an industry that felt like that was necessary. Looking back, I'm like, that probably wasn't, something was wrong there. But yeah, it, my first job, we definitely did that. And that definitely was like a thing. I think I think the interesting parallel, not to say one is right or wrong, but how Bethany had stated, we we grew up in a time where we don't remember it and then technology happened. And so life kind of changed. That's kind of the same thing that, uh, you know, the Gen Xers there are saying beyond are saying too, like we grew up in a time where this conversation wasn't a conversation. Like there was an expect, you just had a different expectation and now it's kind of changed. So both of us are going through these changes at the same time and probably equally ridiculous on both sides for some talking points of that. Uh, you know, as you go to. So talk organizationally, though, you know, one of the things that we get asked to speak on quite a bit is the hiring and retaining employees. And if the younger, you know, at some point, there was a there was kind of a breaking point there or some point where, you know, Don, we talk about the talent wars over and the talent one, how much of the boundaries discussion, and this is for anybody, uh, how much of the boundaries discussion or how we work now is being dictated by the talent, not necessarily by the organization, if that makes, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the, the idea here is that it used to be when unemployment was higher, that it was employees needed jobs more than the employers needed the employees. And so the talent, the, the power struggle was towards the employer's side. Well, since about 2017, those two lines crossed each other in terms of the demand, supply demand for job labor right now, we're at a 3.4% unemployment rate in the United States, which is like the lowest since 1967, I was reading this morning. And so, and there's 11 million unfilled job openings right now in the U.S. So there is employee employees are able to dictate more to employers. Now, don't hear that on that. That's a market condition, by the way. I'm just a, a warning. If you're in the employee and go great, and you're walking to your boss with a list of demands right now, that's not what we're recommending that you do right now. But it's true, like there are jobs that are saying, okay, we won't bother you at home. We'll never call you at home. You know, this is a job from, you're going to work from from nine to five and we'll never ever talk to you and you don't have to worry about that. And those industries are definitely using that as a selling point and that's driven by employees. So how do we use this information, I guess, as far as, uh, let, you know, let, let's talk about maybe how to help, esta- help uh, somebody establish boundaries, but then also what does that look like? Uh, maybe if there are no boundaries or, because I think you can go the other way too, too tight on boundaries. What does that do to team? What does that do to work? What does that do to projects? Because I think it goes both ways. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you start, there's two sides to this on the boundary side. What do you do if you're the employer and what do you do if you're the employee? So if you're the employer, I think you do have to have conversations about what those boundaries need to be. And I think you need to listen to your employees a little bit. Is it really necessary for you to be, for employees to be on call 24 seven? You know, we've talked about this quite a bit. You know, our team, we're in consulting, right? There is some times where we are needed after hours or before hours. There's times where that's needed, but not always and not normally, I would say, not most of the time. There's days where we're having meetings, meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, and there's no time to do like all the communication that we need to do and the deliverables and things like that. So it requires some late night work and stuff. But the the challenge, and we've talked about this quite a bit as, as the employer, is we have to figure out where are those lines? Is it okay if I call Bethany at nine o'clock at night to have a conversation about something? 
And we talk about like, when is it okay? What's it, what does that look like? And you kind of have to get to know even individual employees to learn a little bit about individual preferences. You have to consider about when, when to call. Like I know Stephanie likes to take time. The Stephanie's more like me where it's like, when you do unplug, you want to unplug. So it's like, okay, so I'm going to give that unplugged time, right? Diana is kind of always on. And I know that if, if Diana knows that if I call her, which isn't often in terms of late night, but, but there's probably something out there. And then I also am very careful for the whole team to know, like, if I call you and you can't talk, like, then just tell me like, oh, I can't talk right now. I'm doing something else. Like, it's okay. So I think from the employer's standpoint, I think you, it's, you have to think about what those boundaries really are and avoid working, making sure that everybody else works the exact same way you do. I've learned this too, is if I'm working on the weekend, like I often work on the weekend, I like my job. So I'll often I'll sit down and I'll put on Twilight Zone or something on television, I'm going to catch up on emails. Well, now I'm writing emails or sending messages in teams over the weekend, and it's going out. And it's really easy for our team to see those things start popping up and get notifications on the weekend and go, oh my gosh, the boss is working. I have to be working too. I have to be responding to these things right away, even though that's not what I'm expecting to have happen. So we've had conversations internally, at least I think we have, where we've said, you know, don't expect if I'm writing something on a Sunday or a Saturday, like I'm not expecting you to reply right away. Or if I send you that email, I'm not expecting an immediate response to that. Flip side, if you are expecting an immediate response, maybe you should, as an employer, maybe you should rethink your boundaries a little bit. Like, do you really need the instant response on all of those emails, even that you're writing in the middle of the night or on the weekend? I think that's, those are things to think about as an employer. So let's talk about the employee side, then how do you have that conversation? What do you think boundaries are in bounds and out of bounds? You know, because I think there might be some requests that, okay, that's maybe a little over the top, like an espresso machine in the office. I don't, that was a real event that would just happen uh, at our, <laughs> at our office. What, what are some, What's I don't know, it's not I a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I get it. If anything, we leave the office less because now we have the espresso machine so less time wasted going to coffee shops so maybe this was a trick on us (laughs) (laughs) let's talk let's talk about that those what are some of the boundaries uh maybe inbounds and out of bounds what are the conversations that employees need to have how do you help how do you help somebody maybe listening set up a conversation like that as the employee I mean, I think there's this is so broad and there's so many different variables there so I don't I don't exactly know how to answer your question, but I do think that there should be space and time for you to get your job done and get it done well. And there should be space and time for you to take a minute and turn off and relax when you need that. And if you're running into places where it's like, why don't I can't do my job? Well, I'm too backed up. I don't have enough energy to like do it well and not make a bunch of mistakes. Or if you're not able to turn off at any point and rest and recharge like you need to, then you probably need to have some conversations. I think those are like two really big red flags. Yeah. I like that a lot. If you can communicate as the employee, what you're like, I think you have to, to, you do have to set some boundaries, but it's setting the boundaries looks different. Like, here's what you don't do is don't go to your boss and say, you know, will never call me after five. I don't want to see any emails after six. I don't want to do any of the, I mean, if you start setting those as demands instead of setting boundaries, I think it's more of like open conversations of like, here's how I work best and then ask questions. Like, do you expect me to respond at those times? Like, cause sometimes you might be setting your own, you might be crossing your own boundaries without any intention. Yeah. Those are a couple of tips. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've, 
as a parent too, and a parent who has to be a part of like drop-offs and pickups and you're working around, like I'm working around my spouse's schedule and stuff too, is like, I've tried to just communicate those needs internally to our team and say like, Hey, I'm going to have to adjust my schedule in this season. And fortunately, like our team is very supportive of those kinds of things. And I know that some, probably some organizations are a little, they have harder lines about some of that, that makes it more difficult. But I do think that just kind of voicing like, Hey, I have to drop off at this time. There's really no way around it. Um, We don't have anybody else that can do that. Like, this is what it is, or like, here, I've got to leave by this time. But, you know, like we've had conversations too of if I need to finish something at at home or I'm available, you know, to talk uh, after, you know, after I get home with the kids or something, um, if we need to talk about something, you know, I'm available too. But I think that, you know, as far as those kinds of boundaries go, I think everybody just voicing what, what the needs are, um, what my responsibilities are in that, in that setting too. And people have been really understanding about that. Even, I think even clients too, you know, because when you think about, you know, sick kids and things like that, it's not just the day-to-day it's like, oh, well, I have, you know, I have a sick kid at home today. And so I'm, my availability is just going to be a little bit spottier. And I think, you know, as long as you communicate that with people, they're pretty, they're pretty open and receptive to it. So, yeah. And I, I think that's like a, I love that specific example because I think it, there isn't a work-life balance anymore. There isn't, it's all integrated, right? If there's, it's your work is your life and your life is your work and you have to do things during the workday. It just, it doesn't, it does, it's not realistic anymore to think that those things only pop up after work hours or that there's only work during work hours. Like that, it just, that's not realistic anymore. But I love how you handled that. It was, very transparent, lots of communication. And then the employer set the good, good examples or good expectations and said, here's the deal. If this is how you are going to work and this is what you need, that's fine. But here's what I need from you. And I think that's a two-way communication style that says, great, I understand you. I hear you. And also here's what I need from you in that. So you both had needs and you both had expectations. And then you both worked through what that looked like. Yeah, totally agree. If you think about the word boundary, right, a boundary like between two countries, it's not like one country says, here's where my boundaries are and the other one's like, well, I guess I have to put up with that. That's not how boundaries are set. It's by both sides agreeing on where that's at. So if there's a partnership in those conversations, if it's, hey, I've got a sick kid today and they're like, and but then you have to deal with all of the problems with that, you know, employer, then I don't think that's going to be received very well. Uh, If it's, I've got a sick kid today and here's the things that I have going on and here's what I think about in terms of how I'm going to work through this stuff, or here's what I would propose. And I need some help in this, this space, then it's a partnership. And then both sides are helping to establish the boundary. And then I think that works really well. We've had a lot of conversations about like after hours or kids or vacation times or things like that. It's like, as long as we talk about it and say, as long as you're part of the solution, we're, we're both solving the same problem. Now it's not a fight. It's not a boundary. That's there's not a war or a wall. Because walls are immovable, boundaries can move a little bit. Yeah, I like how we're framing this and talking about it this way. Because I think Don used a word earlier that like triggers something for me with the boundaries conversation is demand. 
And I think, you know, for both employers and employees, it can't be a demand. It has to be a conversation. Like we were talking about this prior to starting this podcast and Matt and I had a great conversation about this on our last trip. Like part of the reason for me that I have established some really strong work boundaries is because I have felt demanded of in, in past jobs where it was, there was never really a conversation about boundaries. So then all of a sudden things would start happening and I would feel like, Ooh, like I don't, I don't like that. But then because there were never any previous conversations, then it felt like it was the burden on me as the employee to bring it up with my boss, who was usually the person that was violating what I felt like my boundaries. And then it, it always felt like a demand conversation of then either I was demanding of them, like, I won't work this way. Um, or they were saying, no, you have to work this way. And if that doesn't work for you, then we have a real problem. And so I think if you can, you know, kind of establish the boundary and, you know, either coming into a new job, like I appreciate how much we talked about it when I started at People Centric. And it was very, very clear, like what the boundaries were. Um, you know, everyone on the team was able to articulate theirs and how they like to work. I was able to say mine and how I preferred to work. And it was done with a lot of respect. Um, but I'd also say if you're in a job right now of like, try to have that conversation, but do it outside of like the moment, right? When it's happening, because then that's when emotions are high. Your emotions are really high because you felt your boundary has been violated. Like try to just set up like a neutral time to say, Hey, I'm not having an issue with this right now, but I want to talk about like what that could look like going forward in the future. Like if you're expecting me to respond to an email immediately, like I legitimately had a boss once for every time we got an email from this person, we had to respond, got it within like 10 or 15 minutes. And he was like, I don't expect you to do the whole work, but I need you to know that I need to know you received it. And I was like, oh, that feels untenable and unrealistic for me, but okay. And I tried it for a while and then I was like, oh, this just doesn't work. Um, so if I had brought it up right after I got an email from him and wrote him a big, long email telling me why I didn't like the system, that would have felt very demanding from me to him. So instead I brought it up in a very outside of the moment conversation. And I said, hey, I'm finding myself spending a lot of time thinking about this. And how I should be managing that and managing this moment versus like doing my actual work. And it seems like that's taking up some of my time. So would you be okay if we just said, hey, here's a realistic time frame in which for me to actually respond to your email with the real content that you need versus doing it this way? And it ended up being a good conversation. So um, that's, I would say, like, again, that that word demand, I think, is why this stuff feels hard because it feels like on some side of the equation, you lose control over, over your life and your time and how you work best. And so just having those really honest, open, respectful conversations about it. And I will say, if you find yourself in a work environment where you communicate your boundaries with respect and they're consistently violated, well, maybe that's not a healthy environment for you to be in. Got it. Thanks, Stephanie. See, nailed it. Uh, I'd have literally just auto responded. Like I just set up an auto response. There is no way I would have done that for real. I just tried around that bad boy. Well, and it was hard for me because I, like, I would look around and everyone else was doing it and didn't seem to bother them. And so then it was like this moment of like, okay, is it me? And as someone who has like personally struggled with anxiety and perfectionism at work, it was a really like, to use a really very millennial word, triggering um, for my anxiety 
because then it was like, it made me question for a long time. And I've, I've had this happen at other workplaces where all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, am I, am I the problem? Is there something wrong with me? And then my anxiety starts swirling and it gets really messy and an emotional versus if we just had this conversation earlier, I think for me personally, it would have avoided a lot of like grief and, and anxiety. You know, it, and and I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but I know that you have a hard stop. So I'm trying to help you with your boundary. But uh, the other the other part of that the other part of that too, Stephanie, I was going to use you kind of as an example and and kind of our you know consulting firm as sometimes we are ebbing and flowing with the client at the same time too, right? So Don mentioned it, you know, the nature of the beast here. Sometimes I do have to get out of my comfort zone and do it, but sometimes internally we're our own worst enemy where we are, we are the ones creating all of these different guidelines. And you might take it to Don and say, I have all of these things to do. And Don's going, why are you doing these four extra steps? Uh, you know, at the same time, I think that's a thing too. employees, maybe check it out, you know, do an internal audit. How many of those things you are, you are doing is because you are, that is what you are being required to do. Or how many of those stop gaps, so to speak, uh, have you put in for yourself? I can remember a conversation where one of us had talked about, I can't even eat lunch. And my feedback was say no, then just say no to, you know, it's up to most of us, you know, if you are a client of ours listening, <clears throat> typically you're pretty agreeable, right? You don't know when we're trying to eat lunch. You don't know when we have other things going on. Just let's, let's negotiate this meeting time. Then since I'm, I'm open, I have other opportunities, you know? And so, you know, sometimes internally, maybe employee, you're listening to this, and you're going, I have to do these things and these things, maybe pulse check why you're doing those things that you're doing and how many of those have you put on yourself. And now you're you're kind of your own worst obstacle in that moment too. So anyway, lots, a lot, Don, go ahead. I was gonna say, that's a great point, Matt. I think a lot of boundary failures are not caused by the other person, but caused by yourself being unwilling to have a difficult conversation or potentially difficult conversation. Uh, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Great. I appreciate it. Let's let's go ahead and move to wrap up. If there was, we haven't done this for a while. Let's maybe go around and get one little tidbit here. One little take takeaway. What is your best practice takeaway that you might give for this entire, this in, uh, entire conversation? Who'd like to start? Diana? I'll start. I think that I love what Beth or what Stephanie was saying about perfectionism and drive and some of that, you know, stuff that kind of makes people feel like they have to do the things or they can't set good boundaries. And I would just say that I am more and more convinced that people are willing to hear that you cannot do something or willing to hear that you need a break or willing to hear that you have something else going on or willing to hear that your priorities are set differently, right? Like more and more people are open to that conversation now. And I think if we can just take a step back and have a transparent, vulnerable conversation with each other, I think we'll do a lot better. I think it's that like moment of vulnerability to just say, I am human and I can't do it all. That is hard for a lot of people and hard for employees to say to bosses, but I think it's necessary. And more and more people understand that that is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that. I um, I'm not going to just give one tip, but I, and I think we even mentioned it in our previous like boundaries podcast, but, but if you haven't read the book boundaries by uh, Dr. Henry cloud, I think that's a really, really good resource. And it flows into not only your personal life and relationships, but also your work 
um, as well. And I think there's a lot of really good and practical examples of why people struggle with creating boundaries and how to do that effectively and when it makes sense to set boundaries and not not. Um, and so I would just recommend that book as a resource if you haven't read that too. I think that's great. Great resource. And then I'd just say, I think that's the partnership piece. If you come at it saying, I need to work with the employer or employee, whichever side you're on and solve this together. I think that's the best way. I think it's not just, Hey, all employees should get this or all. And there's not, there's not a obvious set of boundaries for many things that we're talking about. We didn't talk about obvious boundaries, by the way, there's obvious boundaries of that you need to not follow that as employer employees. We talked about more of the more subtle ones, but for the more subtle ones, like when can we work? When can we not work? When do we contact each other? When do you, what's the expectation of that communication? Those are all conversations. And if you work together on those things, then that builds trust also. And that, which is good for culture, good for engagement, all of those things, very people-centric. Awesome. Hopefully you've uh, been able to take a tip away from this and, uh, you know, share, share the podcast, share the ideas. Um, if you have questions about it, maybe you tried to have some of those conversations and it wasn't working for you. If you'd like to bounce that off of us as well, we're happy to happy to entertain those conversations at the same time. You can hear how to get a hold of us right now through the outro. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the people centered podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and need well.